The Lord be with you. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. In 2018, there were seven. In 2019, there were eight. Last year, 2020, there were 11. And this year, 2021, there are 28. Candles, Names that we will remember in a moment as we pray the Eucharistic prayer. Souls that have been called home since last All Saints Day. It has been quite a year. A lot of loss, a lot of grief this last year. And of course, it's not just these. There are many more, many more of your loved ones, whether it's this last year or years past. There are voids in our lives now. Hearts that ache tears that that still flow and stream. But it's on this day, All Saints Day, that the church holds out before us a beautiful, marvelous vision that then transforms those tears of sorrow now into tears of, of joy, of hope, of eager expectation. John, in that first reading from Revelation, really, who saw heaven, he gives us this vision. Let's look at this again. After this, I had a vision of a great multitude which no one could count from every nation, race, people, and tongue. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, Salvation comes from our God who is seated on the throne and from the Lamb. These are the ones who have survived the time of great distress. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, throughout the year, the church has particular feast days to remember particular saints, kind of the more famous ones, the ones from the scriptures, those from church history. But it's on All Saints Day that the church remembers this great multitude. There are, I will tell you this, I think there's probably 99% of the saints of God, of his great family, (laughs) we've never even heard of because they've never been written down in human history. There are so many more in this great multitude, our loved ones. They're not very famous, are they? Someday us. But this multitude doesn't mean that we're sort of then lost in a crowded sea of faces. Each saint is personally known 
by our Father from before creation and then redeemed by the death and the resurrection of Jesus and then called by name in the waters of holy baptism and now intimately united into this great big loving family of our God that we call the communion of saints. Friends, do you know where we're headed? We are headed to the largest family reunion the universe has ever seen to be reunited with our loved ones that we've lost in this world, to be introduced to so many more, and best of all, to finally, to finally see Jesus face to face, our brother who came to find us and to bring us home to our God. The saints aren't just the famous ones. Almost all of them, like you and me, live rather ordinary lives, at least in the eyes of the world. They live and they die faithfully. Here is what makes a saint, John tells us. They washed their robes and they made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, that metaphor of washing robes is simple enough, right? At the end of the day, we take off our clothes and throw them in the wash because you know, we soiled them because of our work. Maybe it might stink a little bit. And so we wash them because the next day we want to get up and put on something fresh and clean. And like our robes at the end of the day, we have soiled and we have stained and we've stunk up our lives. And we know it. And we don't just know it up here. We feel it, don't we? We, we feel the, the dirtiness the corrosion, the, the, the pollution, the damage in our own lives. We wear, we wear our guilt and our shame. And then we try to find ways to figure out what, what do we do with this? And so sometimes we try to hide it, right? We take our dirty laundry and we stuff it away in dark corners where nobody will see it. Or we go to the other extreme, and this, this is our culture, right? We, we justify it. In fact, we, we put it on and say, no, look at me. You've got to accept this filth. Or we blame somebody else. Or we make excuses. Or we compare ourselves to somebody else. That always makes you feel better, right? Or, well, at least I don't stink as bad as Veith does, right? Mm. Or we try to put something, we sort of layer over it. Let's layer it over with something good so at least we appear better. And we try and we try and we try and none of it works. It is only the blood of Jesus that washes us and makes us white. And this is precisely what he gives to us beginning in our baptism. It's why in the baptismal liturgy we put on a white robe, a chrism gown, to symbolize this very thing that we have now become a saint. But of course, from the point of our baptism, we soil that baptismal robe, don't we? which means then we have to come back to Jesus again and again in repentance to have our robe washed and made clean over and over again. This is why the Lord gave us the great sacrament of confession. Confession and absolution is nothing but returning to baptism and being washed again. This is why we began our liturgy with these very familiar words. We are by nature sinful and unclean. We've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we've done and by what we've left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves, Lord. And we need the blood of Jesus to wash us, to wash our robes and make them white. Now there's the part of the metaphor that seems a little strange, doesn't it? 
Like, how do you wash robes in blood and make them white? If anything, blood would stain them. And in fact, we start talking about blood, and some of us are like, ugh. If we're not in the medical world, right, we're kind of like, ugh, that's a little bit gross. What's going on there? In fact, in our culture, you don't want to have contact with blood. You put on latex gloves so that, you know, you're not contaminated, so that you're not infected. But this blood, this blood, we have to understand the Scriptures. The Scriptures understand blood to be this very source of life. And so, therefore, this blood is the blood of Jesus. And who is Jesus? He is our God become human. It means this is now divine blood. This is the very life blood of God. This is the pure and untainted, spotless, uncontaminated, holy, sinless blood of the very Lamb of God. What this means, friends, is we are bathing ourselves in the very life of Jesus. We are bathing ourselves in the life that he poured out for you and me. We wash our robes in his blood, and they are made white. But not crayon white, or white that we would paint on walls, or even the white of these robes. Mm -mm. This is not an earthly white that we're talking about. Remember the transfiguration of Jesus? As he's there on the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and Moses and Elijah show up, and all of a sudden, it says Jesus is transfigured. He's changed. All of a sudden, his glory and his divinity come radiating through his humanity, through his human body, and his face starts shining like the, the sun, and his clothes are radiant white. And Mark tells us that his clothes are so white, there's not enough bleach in the world to make them that white. Or think of the resurrection. Those angels that are there at the tomb were told that their robes are radiant white, that they are as white as snow. This is not some kind of earthly white. When we wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb, friends, we are donning the color of divinity, the color of heaven. We are bathing in the divine life. So try with me for this brief moment this morning to imagine again the scene John paints for us, this great multitude, beautiful, radiant, brilliant, and all of us there, all of the saints, our loved ones and the famous ones and the 99% of saints we have not yet met, and there we are all together, and we are pouring out our praises and our thanksgiving and we're pouring out our love and our affection on Jesus because we're clean, because we're alive, because we're radiant, and we are beautiful in His divine life. There we are, gathered around His throne forever. Try to imagine it. And let that now chase away the grief and the pain. It'll still be there as long as we're on earth, but let it now transform you to hope and to joy and to eager expectation. And here's the thing. No matter how good your imagination might be, <laughs> it is infinitely more beautiful than what you can even imagine. Infinitely more beautiful. I'd like you to try just to stay in that place for a few more moments. Actually, try to do it through the rest of church if you can, but 
we're going to now sing a few more verses of For All the Saints. Because the second half of this hymn now turns to this great vision that's before us. The last two verses that we're going to sing are my absolute favorites. But lo, there breaks a yet more glorious day. The saints triumphant rise in bright array. The king of glory passes on his way. It's the day of resurrection. From earth's wide bounds to ocean's farthest coast, through gates of pearl, stream in the countless host, singing to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Alleluia, Alleluia, praise the Lord. <laughs> 